In previous messages, uh, we, it was emphasized that the role of the Holy Spirit was to point us to Jesus and to see all that Jesus has done for his people. In the passage this morning, we're going to be reading from Romans 8. And uh, the Holy Spirit again points us to the work of Jesus. And in these 17 verses, we're given a good summary of the gospel of grace. It summarizes that we are fallen sinners, but through Christ we are saved sinners. On account of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all that he has done for us on the cross, we're no longer condemned people living by our sinful nature. Rather, we are people who are born again. And again, you can be reminded of what it is to be born again through last week's message. You can just jump on YouTube for that. But we're no longer condemned. We're born again, living and controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in us. And it's all on account of God's amazing grace. It's all on account of the Holy Spirit making us holy, sanctifying us. The Holy Spirit has come, and we are led by the Spirit. And for those who are led by the Spirit, we are children of God. We are the sons and daughters of God. And so today we're going to be talking more about what it means to be sanctified and how uh, we can live as sanctified children of God. So before reading from Romans 8, let's come to God in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we again uh, see each of you at work through this passage and in these words of grace. We see God who sent his one and only Son, Jesus, to save us from our sins, and the Holy Spirit of Jesus who not only convicts us of our sins, but also points us back to Jesus, the Savior of all our sins. Holy Spirit, as the passage is read this morning, may we again see Jesus and the new life and free life that we have on account of his one and only sacrifice for our sins. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Romans 8, verses 1 through 17. Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his, one, his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation But it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God 
are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I enjoy reading uh, many of John Grisham's novels. And for those unaware of Grisham's writings, most of his novels are based on stories of lawyers who often fight against all odds for their underdog client. In one of Grisham's newer novels, uh, titled A Time for Mercy, we have the return of lawyer Jake Briggins, who still lives in a small town in Ford County, Mississippi. And he often takes on difficult cases. In this situation, uh, Briggins is appointed by the court to defend a 16-year-old boy, Drew Gamble, who's charged with shooting and killing a police officer who was also his mother's abusive boyfriend. Drew ends up in prison, and he's facing the death penalty. The 16-year-old admitted he confessed that he murdered the guy, but also admitted to a plea of not guilty. Many of the townsfolks were yelling, murder, he's, he's guilty, apply the death penalty, especially those who were related to the victim. Spoiler alert, you can plug your ears if you want. Without saying too much about the jury's final decision and Drew's fate, the ending of this book is somewhat inconclusive. One thing was clear, was that although many people were yelling guilty, during the jury deliberations, there were some of the jurors showing Drew a time for mercy. A time for mercy. Mercy is not getting something even though you deserve it. Mercy would be Drew not getting punished even though he killed the police officer. Mercy is not getting something, such as punishment, when you deserve it, such as you did the crime, it had been done. Throughout the scriptures, we're uh, reminded of our sins. We're reminded of our shortcomings. Um, we are reminded that we are guilty. Uh, Romans three twenty three. prior to our reading this morning, we read, we all have sinned and we all have fallen short of the glory of God. Guilty. Now, if we were one another's jury, we would probably be yelling, Guilty. The first humans, Adam and Eve, who sinned in the Garden of Eden, they were guilty. Every person following them, we're guilty because we are born in sin and with sin and we remain guilty. But Romans 8 verse 1, we read this. Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul's not yelling guilty here. In fact, Paul is saying... There's a time for mercy. And in fact, not only are we given mercy and we're not punished, but the Holy Spirit continues to work in us and live in us so that we can even have better lives. So Paul here in this passage, he's referring to the Spirit and the law. And he, he states that on its own, the law condemns. Because it, it's rather simple, right? Right? Um, if you break the law, you break the law. 
guilty. There's no way that we will go through this day today without breaking the law of God. Romans 7 um, talks about the importance of the law and how the law reveals our sins. And the law condemns us because we will inevitably break the law. But back to chapter 8. This chapter goes on to say that you're free from the law of sin and death. The law cannot claim you. The law cannot condemn those who are in Christ because Christ has already suffered that condemnation on the cross. Jesus came in the likeness of sinful man so that he could bear our sins on the cross. Jesus has been punished and condemned for our sins. And so that means we have received mercy. We're not punished. We are not condemned. Now, continuing with the court theme, in many of the courts, there's what's called the law of double jeopardy. And the law of double jeopardy means that someone cannot be tried twice for the same crime. This means that once you have been tried for the crime, you can no longer be tried again. We have been tried for our sins. And yes, we have been found guilty. And yet the penalty has been paid for us. It's been paid once and for all by Jesus. And because we have been tried and the penalty has been paid, those crimes, those sins will no longer come back to us from God. So how does all this mercy and and all of this apply to sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit? If we didn't have Christ's mercy... The law would convict us. It would condemn us. There'd be no hope. There'd be no chance of salvation. But we have Christ's mercy. And so the law does not control us. Now, legalists, and and there were many in the days of Jesus' time, Pharisees, Sadducees, and there's probably many in today's time too. A legalist, one who lives by the power of the law, will try to be obedient by keeping all the laws, by using their own strength. They will try to live properly on their own and obey the the law on their own. Well, what happens? Well, what will happen is that person will fail. Because we can't do it on our own. We'll fail and not attain to the holiness that God desires. So again, last week we talked about being born again. And we define being born again or regeneration as a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit giving spiritual life to dead sinners. Being born again is taking sinners out of the dark and bringing sinners into the light. And those who have been born again, they have received mercy, no punishment, and they have received the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit will give freedom and life And will work in born-again Christians to surrender to the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Being born again, or regeneration as we refer to it as well, was a one-time action by God. Being born again is completely initiated by the work of the Holy Spirit. Today, as we heard through the children's message, we refer to sanctification. The sanctification of believers. 
which continues the work of the Holy Spirit, but again, also involves us in the process. We saw Eli and Claire building that train set. It's a process, and it involves us. Once we are brought into the light by being born again, sanctification is the act of the Holy Spirit continuing to make us holy. Sanctification, again, is an ongoing process. It's an ongoing act by God and an ongoing act by his people. So what the law cannot do, the Spirit can and will. We need the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in us. Verses 5 to 8 refer again to a mind that's governed by the flesh and not the spirit. This means that the person will attempt to live an obedient life according to the law and and live an obedient life according to their own strength and their own power. As we already said earlier, this can't work. And so verse 8 states that those who are in the realm of the flesh, flesh, law, can't please God will just continue to fail and fail. But we read on to verses 9 to 11. We are firm that believers have the Holy Spirit living in them. People of God, those who believe have the Holy Spirit. As verse 11 reads, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And it goes again to affirm, the spirit lives in you. People, the Holy Spirit of Jesus is alive in you, is at work in you, and continues to set you apart. The Holy Spirit continues to work in you, setting you apart, working in you to become more and more holy, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And I think Romans 12, a few chapters beyond chapter 8, Romans 12, verse 1, also provides this clarification on this when it reads, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And it continues by saying that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Again, active, continuous work that's going on. You know, I love being part of the Christian Reformed Church and, and its inclusive worldview, where we, we, we proclaim God's got his hand on everything. And we proclaim, too, that we are transforming and renewing and always reforming. And I hope none of us get caught up in the part of our name where it says that we are reformed. Because this might apply that we've arrived, but we haven't. But we are reforming and continuing, continually being made holy, sanctified. Continually asking God, what pleases you, God? And finding out what pleases him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, it's a reforming, transforming, renewing process, ongoing So the ongoing act of sanctification is the continuous work of the Holy Spirit. But again, his people are not passive in this work. If sanctification involves God making his people holy and setting his people apart, then the act of the Holy Spirit setting us apart is not for us to be passive. The action must be for us to be set apart for something. So we're obviously set apart for action and reforming. Verse 14, we read that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, I think these words can beautifully be summarized by one of our Reformed confessions, the Heidelberg Catechism. 
So in the first answer, it's question and answer, but I'll read the answer. We read that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Then we ask, what has Jesus done for us? And the answer continues. Jesus fully paid for all our sins with his precious blood. He set me free from the tyranny of the devil, and he also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. Without the will of my Father in heaven. Talks about our Father in heaven. Talks about our relationship to God, our Father. And it goes on to say, in fact, all things must work together for my salvation. And because I belong to him, again, bringing on those words from Romans 8, because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. The Reformed Catechism does not allow for passivity. We are set apart as God's children, belonging to him, and as his children, we are set apart to live our lives for him. And we do not and cannot live by the law, because again, the law will condemn us. But we live by the power of the Holy Spirit, and because of that, we live in freedom. We're free. We've been pardoned, not by the President of the U.S., but by God through his son, Jesus. When we are sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit... We do not stay passive, but we are active participants. And we will strive to live by the Spirit. We'll strive to live in obedience to what God desires. And what does God desire? He desires that we love God. And we love one another. We're not at all to hate. We've seen so much of that happening in this past month by Christians. I like the quote on our church sign. And you can see it as you go out this morning if you haven't seen it already. Just love everyone. I'll sort them out later. And it's a quote by God. Just love everyone. I'll sort them out later. Now, of course, we, we will fall short. But as born again and sanctified believers, we will also know that God will show us mercy. And that our sins have been taken upon Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will continue to work in us and sanctify us. Making us more and more like Jesus. We are children of God. We are brothers and sisters of Jesus. We belong to Jesus in life and in death. We have forgiveness of all our sins and we have eternal life through Jesus. The Holy Spirit of Jesus convicts us of this promise and this truth. And every child of God is being led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is convicting us of our sin in our lives and our sinful nature so that by the Spirit's sanctifying power, we will strive more and more to please God by being obedient to his holy will. The Holy Spirit points our eyes and our minds and our hearts and our whole bodies to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is working us in us to produce fruit so that others can see that we follow Jesus and that they too will then be pointed to Jesus through the Spirit using us. Allow the work of the Holy Spirit in your lives. Allow that work to be evident to others. Don't quench the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Why are we set apart? Because as children of God, we can give God glory. We can honor him. We can praise him. And others will see that as well. 
Perhaps some of you can remember pre-COVID when we were allowed to fly on airplanes. And perhaps some of you have booked flights before and, and maybe arrived at the airport plenty early or you've had this connecting flight and you're, there's lots of time in between. And when that would happen to me, I would try to get my name on a standby list. And I would ask for my name to be on, uh, on a, a waiting list in order to have an earlier and possibly more convenient flight so I could make it home on time or earlier. And it sometimes paid off. But it was always interesting to observe the difference between the passengers who held confirmed tickets and the passengers who were on standby. The ones with confirmed tickets, they're reading their newspapers and checking Facebook with the free Wi-Fi and texting people and chatting with family and friends. And, and some of them are just sleeping. Most of them were quite relaxed and confident. The ones on standby were hanging around the ticket counter kind of pacing nervously, just anxiously waiting for their name to be called, and and you can see your name on that list and where you sit on that list. You see, ticket holders have confidence and assurance of their flight. The standby do not. People, we do not need to live our lives as if we are on standby. We have a guaranteed ticket that has been purchased for us by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We have received mercy from Jesus, and the Holy Spirit provides us the confidence and assurance of this promise. And the Holy Spirit has sanctified us and set us apart to live in that confidence and assurance as God's holy children. So let us be followers of Jesus and obedient to him in response to this purchased ticket that we have. Accept his mercy. Accept his amazing grace. And if you are someone here this morning or listening online, if you're someone struggling with your value or worth, or maybe you're struggling with doubts, or maybe everything is kind of just cool, each person needs to be reminded that you are a child of God, that you are loved by God. You have been given mercy and your sins have been taken upon Jesus. You belong to Jesus in life and in death. And you belong to the family of God. So accept the free gift of mercy and grace from God our Father through our brother and Savior, Jesus Christ. And live your life as sanctified children, people set apart by God for God's good purpose, praising him, giving glory to him, honoring him, and others will see that. Praise God for his power and the work of the Holy Spirit in all our lives. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, God, for your love and for your mercy. We thank you for your Son who has taken the punishment of all our sins and for your continued grace to offer us salvation in the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for setting us apart. And when things are difficult for us, and that occurs often, may your Spirit not only convict us of our sins, but remind us again and again of your forgiveness and your presence in our lives. Thank you for setting us apart for a purpose. May we continue to serve you and your mission in this church and in your kingdom. And may we bring you glory to your name in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.